open up our Bibles to Philippians 2. We'll just get there in a minute. I just feel like talking tonight. Is it okay if I talk? I just want to talk. You guys got to talk back, okay? All right. Yesterday was an awesome uh, day. We were at, at JC Soldiers. It's a ministry that we have out in Cicero, Ohio. And man, I just love it so much. If you guys have ever been out in that neighborhood, it's predominantly African-American community. And just the children are beautiful. They are awesome. They're, they're so loving. And, and they just love when we come out, you know. Like, they don't even know our names, but they run up to us and they just give us, like, these warm hugs and smiles. And they just get so excited that somebody's there to play with them, you know. So we just had an awesome time. And um, so I just take this time out and invite you guys. If you guys want to come, we're going to be heading out there in the fall every Saturday, okay. If, if you have a heart for for children, you know, come out because we're just pouring into them. We're, we're loving on them. We're spending quality time with them. And, and we're teaching them about Jesus. Jesus Christ. You know, so many of them have heard about Jesus, have heard like this distorted truth about Jesus. And it, it just, it breaks my heart. And I'm sure that's not the only place where it's at, but that's where the Lord has called us. So that's where my heart is at, you know. And so I just give God the glory for giving us this opportunity. You know, now we don't only just meet in the park, but now he's opened up a door to meet in a church. So we go, we go door to door, and we invite all the little kids to come and to have church with us. And, and it's so awesome that so many come, but at the same time, it's a little sad that complete strangers will hand over their two-year-old babies to complete strangers. You know what I'm saying? Like, you probably thinking that's nuts. Like, I would never give my, I wouldn't even, I don't even know how I'd feel about leaving it with, with just a friend, leaving my baby with just a friend, you know? And I'm not even a mother. But just to, you know, come, hey, we're having kids' church. And I'm glad, like, it's like, and part of me is so happy. But at the same time, if you stand back and think about it, like, I would never do that, you know? And it's at least you would ask questions, like, where's this place at? Can I have your number? What time are you going to bring them back? What kind of church are you? You're not teaching my child some kind of, like, witchcraft, false doctrine, you know. But no, it's like, can your kids come to kids' church? Yeah, hold on. I got five more. I'm going to go get them, okay? And it's just like, oh, my goodness. So I met this little boy yesterday. His name was Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph was a little brat. (laughs) Joseph, I'm sorry, he's cute, but he was a brat at first. We were at the park, and we are playing, and out of nowhere, he just, starts talking like I don't know what he was saying and he's like and I don't like my stepdad I'm like <laughs> I asked him you know but he just just blurted it out you know like he just wanted to talk about it you know and so I'm like okay you know Jessica and Salvador were there with me and I'm just trying to talk to him he's like no I don't want to talk you know walks away so that the afternoon goes on and and you know we Joseph ends up coming back with us to to kids church and um we're sitting around in a circle and he's like trying to act hard but Little by little, he starts telling things about himself. And he starts talking about his stepdad and how his stepdad uh, treats him badly and how he can't wait till he gets older because, you know, when he gets older, he's going to kill his dad and his stepdad. Just out of, this little boy is about eight years old, you know. And so we start, I start talking to him, and this boy is just like crying out, you know. And I'm saying, okay, we're going to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. But he keeps, you know, saying stuff. So it's like, Jesus, you know, like, so I keep talking to him, and, and the other two, we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about going to heaven and going to hell, and he's like, well, you know, I don't believe in all that stuff, that's all, all that stuff is fake, whatever, 
So the, the group, small group's over. It's time for the kids to go do a craft. And I stay behind with Joseph, and I'm talking to him and, and talking to him about his stepdad. You know, does, does he abuse you? Does he does you know, X, Y, and Z? And he starts opening up and telling me about his life and how he doesn't want to go back home and he wants to stay in Chicago. And he tells me about wanting to kill his dad. I'm like, okay, so what you going to do after you kill your da- stepdad? Well, I don't care. I don't care if I go to juvie. That's where I'm going to go. You know, he's already in his mind. An eight-year-old already knows what the consequences are. He already he does not care, you know. Already instilled inside of him is that anger and bitterness within him. <laughs> you don't care, but I'm talking about what if you die? Where are you going to go? Well, you know, I don't care if I go to hell. I'm like, oh, really? Do you know what hell is? No. What is hell? Well, it's not a good place, you know. Start telling him. You know, talking to him about the fiery lake, you know, talking to him about a bottomless pit and, and, and how you remember every opportunity that you had to accept Jesus Christ into your life. And this little boy, man, he broke my heart because instantly the, there was just fear in his place. And I said, and it's forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I don't want to go there is what he said. You know, it's like, God, you don't want to go there. But you know what? It's not just about being a good person, and it's not just about being a bad person. It's about having Jesus Christ. And he's the one that's going to give you the strength when you feel that pain and that anger inside. And so I said, Joseph, do you want to accept Christ into your life? Do you want to be saved? Yes, I do. So immediately, you know, I tell him, you know, we're going to pray right now, but if you don't believe this, you know, I believe he understands. If he understands what it means to, to kill someone, what it means to go to juvie, what it means to see all these other vile things and wickedness in this world, he can understand what it means to actually mean something with your heart. And I said, well, this doesn't mean anything, Joseph, if you don't believe it. And he says, okay. So we pray, and he accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And so we begin to talk, and it's just like so awesome, whatever. So then we go back to the group where all the kids are doing a craft, and Joseph doesn't want to participate. And my sister's trying to get him back to the table, and he's just like, that lady's mean. <laughs> he's talking about my sister. And so I'm like, just don't say that, Joseph. That's not nice. And it, so we keep talking until Joseph comes, and he taps on my shoulder. He says, I said, yes, Joseph. And he says, um, can you write down that prayer or, or that forgiveness thing? What forgiveness thing? That thing you said about forgiveness and, and, you know, asking God. And I said, okay. So I grabbed a crayon and I wrote out the prayer, you know, the sinner's prayer, which is not found in the Bible. So if you don't want Jesus, that prayer doesn't mean anything, all right? But anyway, so I write it down for him and takes it, folds it up, puts it in his pocket. And then again, I'm talking to other kids and he pokes me again. He says, "Um, what happens if I have anger inside and I want to sin, but I don't do it? Am I still going to hell? I said, no, I said, in times like that, Joseph, you just ask for forgiveness, you know, or you just ask the Lord to change you so you don't act out on those things. And he says, okay, and man, just that whole, just meeting him, meeting that little boy to, just opened up my eyes, my goodness. It was just like he, he saw hell, like he envisioned it for the first time and knew immediately that he did not want to go there. He heard, you know, the message, the gospel be preached about Jesus coming to save him. And he knew instantly, immediately like a child, he received the word. And he knew that he does not, he didn't want to go there. And I pray for his soul and I pray that God would change his circumstances around him and his environment around him. But for the rest of the day, man, I just kept thinking about hell, man. And today, you know, we're talking about heaven, hell, and and Jesus Christ. and, And man, how as Christians, you know, we can get so numb 
to those words. And when we go forth and we preach the gospel and we say, you know, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Man, do we know what that means? Can we, like Joseph, get a revelation of what going to hell really means? Can we become like a child and and take the things in the word and just receive it and, and understand it? Man, because when we get that revelation of what hell means, of what, of what heaven means, of what Jesus Christ dying for us means, man, we will be changed. We will be transformed. We will not let another day go by without crying out to God, interceding for our family members and our friends, without preaching the gospel to complete strangers. That may be hard. For some people in this room, man, how do you just go up to a complete stranger and talk about Jesus Christ? Easy. It's easy. You spend time with Jesus. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. You get lit on fire and you go forth and you preach the gospel with boldness. Because if you knew what it meant to go to hell, what you knew, if you knew what it meant, you would not let one person pass you by without preaching the gospel. And I'm not saying I have it because I don't. You know, our vision here at this church is to love God and to love people. And, and man, it's been breaking my heart lately because it's like, man, do I really love people? Lord, I don't think I love people. You know, I just, you know, not all the time. But what I mean, I mean, this is what Rachel was talking about um, last week. No, hold on a second. When you come into God's presence, he shows you who you are. When you come into God's presence, When you come into God's presence, you have to be truthful. You come to him, right? That's what you said. Okay. When you come into God's presence, you have to be honest with who you are. Because you can hide your weaknesses and everything from everybody else, but God knows inside. God knows who you are inside, right? So you come to God and you say, God, these are my weaknesses and I give them to you, Lord. Please change me, make me more like you, okay? So I went into God's presence this week and And I realize that I don't love people the way that I need to love them. Because if I loved people, genuinely just love people and, you know, want the best for everyone, even the one that broke my side view mirror, you know, if I really loved people, I would preach the gospel nonstop. That might be a little crazy for some of you. We go out to eat and I'm just not even talking to you. You know, I'm just talking to everybody else but you about Jesus Christ. But what if we did that? What if we spent a day and said, everywhere I go, I'm going to talk about you, Jesus. Everywhere I go. If I go to McDonald's, Lord, I'm going to talk about you. If I go to work, I'm going to talk about you, Lord. I'm going to preach your gospel and, like, you know, have two-second conversations. You know, you know, Jesus, no, you need to be born again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know what I'm saying? Plant seeds everywhere you go. Have conversations. Show people that you care. Let your light shine in every way possible. What if? What if we did that? What if we loved people that way? What if we shined our light into places of darkness and showed people that we cared like that? What if? What if? What if? There's, before we get to Philippians, I don't know. Let's go to Jude. Because there's a scripture that, that the Lord has just been giving me this revelation. And it's just beautiful. It's in our vision. It's in Jude 1, 26. And 122. It says, be merciful to those who doubt. 
snatch others from the flame and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Okay, so here's the vision that the Lord's been giving me. This word says, snatch those from the fire. So if you all close your eyes and you just picture this fire, okay, just huge lake of fire all around you. And you, man, when, when I see this, when I close my eyes, I see people who don't know Jesus, people in my life, my person. I can see my family members and my friends. And what I see is, is me just snatching people, just grabbing them by the hands and pulling them out. Can you see yourself doing that? If you see yourself doing that, say amen. Okay? Now you're snatching them out and you're pulling them. And it's just like I I feel like I see this this face of relief, you know, to being pulled out of there. Now, it's like yesterday when I envisioned this, you know, when I saw it, it's just like, and then I turn over to my left and I see my brothers and my sisters in Christ pulling others out. Pulling others out too. I can see my sister, and I can see Rachel and Ricky and just Cynthia and everybody, you know, just doing the work of the Lord, just, just standing in the gap and pulling them out so they don't have to experience hell. They don't have to experience the wrath of God. But now hear, hear this. When we get caught up with the drama in Christianity, when we could get, you know, still with your eyes closed, when we get caught up with, with the bitterness and the envy and the jealousy and just all that nastiness that is not of God. You lose focus on what you're doing. You stop snatching people from the flames and you're turning around and you're looking at each other. You're looking to see what your neighbor is doing. You're talking about what they're doing and how they could be doing better. And you lose focus. And because the church is not doing their job and not doing what they're supposed to be doing, there are people who are perishing. People who are perishing, where God has put you there in their life to snatch them from the flames, to warn them from the fiery pits of hell. We're too busy with our own drama. We're too busy. What if we repented for our ways before a holy God today and said, God, forgive me for not being kingdom-minded, Forgive me for being so worried about the glitz and the, ga- and the glamour. Forgive me for being so worried about titles. Lord, I just want to be kingdom-minded. Everybody say that with me. I want to be kingdom-minded. Let's go to Philippians 2. Imitating Christ's humility. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And when I was reading this, I had to stop right there because it says consider others better than yourself. Man. That checked me right there. Just think about it. Be honest with yourself. Do you, do you find yourself doing that? Do you, do you consider others better than yourself? Or is it all about me all the time? I'm better. I could do that better. I could worship better. I could preach better. 
you know, I could lead that ministry better. Or I could be a better police officer. Or I could be a better teacher. Anything like that. Do you, I, do you put others before you? Or is it all about yourself? It says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude needs to be checked. Here's our example. We look unto him. If we look unto man, men will fail us. So many people back away from the church because the pastors have failed them, the leaders have failed them, when their eyes should have been on Christ Jesus. Their attitude needs to be on the Lord God Almighty, not on their neighbor, but unto Christ. It says, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God. Hold up. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He knows God. He knows who he is. He could be the one who could walk around this earth and say, I know who I am. You need to bow down to me right now. But here he is. He did not even consider equality with God something to be grasped. That should speak something to us. If God Almighty came down to this earth, took on flesh, came down in humility to come and save us, and did not exalt himself, even though he could have, what makes us think that we can exalt ourselves? but made nothing of himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus Christ was in glory. He was in glory and he came down here to suffer for us, to suffer, to to take on the punishment that we deserve. But he came down anyway and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Hallelujah, Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of the Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that one more time. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Every tongue. Every believer, every Christian, every unbeliever, every atheist, everyone who denied Christ, everyone who claimed Christ, every knee will bow and claim Jesus Christ as Lord. Every family member of ours who denied Christ will be bowing down. Every friend will be bowing down. Every co-worker will be bowing down. But at that point, it will be too late. When Jesus Christ came, he did everything wholeheartedly. See, as Christians, we need to be Christ-minded, amen? Right? So we need to be like him. When Jesus Christ came, he didn't say, God, I kind of want to go down there and die for them. I kind of sort of feel like preaching the gospel today. You know, I'm kind of tired. kind of sort of feel like laying my hands on the sick today, you know, and maybe they'll get healed, kind of, sort of. I kind of sort of care for these people. You know? Was Jesus like that? Or did Jesus wake up every morning 
and pray to God with all his heart. Spend time in the presence of the Father and go forth and preach the gospel and preach repentance with all of his heart. Do you think he kind of sort of did it or he did it with all of his being? That he pushed himself forth even when his flesh wanted to give up, even when he was tempted by the very devil himself. He did it with all of his heart. And if we need to be Christ-minded, if we need to be like Christ, then we need to act like him. And we need to get over the attitude of, I kind of sort of feel like doing the ministry. I kind of sort of feel like praying. Kind of sort of feel like fasting. You know, I kind of sort of feel like going evangelizing today. We need to get over ourselves. We need to look onto Christ and be Christ-minded. If you believe it, say amen. Jesus. Can you tell I got a revelation of hell? (laughs) Jesus. When you spend time in God's presence, you become one. His desires become your desires. What he loves, you begin to love. What he hates, you begin to hate. Say it with me. What he loves, I will love. What he hates, I will hate. Come on, claim that today. There's sin in this world that as Christians we become comfortable with. You know, I was just talking to Rachel. She was talking about some Christian friends, acquaintances that she has. And they're just so comfortable with sin. Being able to sit in front of a a TV and watch garbage, watch sex on TV, being comfortable with homosexuality, being comfortable with compromising the gospel and going towards evolution, like that's just, you know, we need to hate what he hates. When I first got saved, I remember I was working at a bar and I was trying to justify working there because... I I wasn't really working, you know, um, the late night shift. I was working in the afternoon, and it was pretty much just lunch. And and every now and then, you know, construction workers would come in and have their beers. And and I was trying to justify it. And I asked myself, if Jesus Christ was here in the flesh, would I be proud of bringing him to my job? Would I be proud of saying, this is what I do here in this world? I serve your children alcoholic beverages. You know, I'm surrounded by this talk, the filthy talk, the filthy language, and and, um, and the music that surrounds me, would I be proud to show him where I was at? Or would he hate that environment? And I knew what I had to do, and I ended up quitting. See, if we turn to Proverbs 6, it talks about the things that, that Jesus Christ hates, that God Almighty hates. It says, Proverbs six sixteen. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. See, a lot of people think that God only loves, and God is love, and he would never hate. What does that say right here? There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among the brothers. Come on, pride, a lying tongue, wickedness in the heart. Bring drama against your brothers and sisters. The Lord hates. He detests. 
These are the things that you and I need to hate. And if there's anyone in this room that is dealing with those things as a Christian, needs to come before the presence of God and say, Lord, change me. I'm tired of seeing Christians who are, are, are living a life so defeated, who say, oh, well, the Lord will change me when he's good and ready. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. The Lord wants to wash you clean. The Lord wants to take this junk out of your life to make you look more like him. He hates and detests these things. So do you think that he's going to let you deal with these things over and over again? No. So if you find yourself with any of these things, with pride, with lies and lies after lies, man, where do lies come from? The devil. It is not of God, and he does not want you to deal with that. False witnessing, witness who pours out lies, a man who stirs up dissension, that is the biggest thing, man. To me, it's lies and dissension among the brothers, man. When people try to just break it all up, the Lord hates that. See, the church is the body of Christ. The Bible refers to it as a bride. When you come and you try to break it up, the Lord hates that. These are the things that we need to hate. We need to detest. Everybody say detest. So that we can be more like him. We can be Christ-minded and keep our eyes focused on snatching those from the flames. So today, if you are in this place and you, can, you find yourself dealing with these things, I'm going to invite you to come up to the front. Rachel can get on keys. Actually, if Ricky could just play a song in the background. And I'm going to invite you to come up to the front. If, if Just come up to the altar. Just cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, change me. Let me be focused on the things that matter, on kingdom-minded things. If you find yourself just feeling like, man, Lord, I just need your boldness because I know that I need to preach the gospel. I know that there are people around me who are dying spiritually that need you. Lord, come on, give me that fire. Give me that boldness inside. And if you just need, if you've just been so numb already from hearing heaven and hearing hell and hearing the cross and say, Lord, give me a fresh fire. Give me a revelation of what it means. Give me a revelation of what it meant when you gave your life up on that cross. Give me a revelation of what heaven is. Just give me a taste, Lord. Give me a taste of hell so that I can be awakened, so that I can do it all for your kingdom and your glory, O oh God, when I snatch those from the flame. So I'm just going to ask.